Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Appalachian Trail story from 2012. I know it's been a little while, but uh, by popular demand, believe it or not, uh, I'm going to keep on plugging away and coming to you from a bit of a frigid morning up here in Maine, sitting on the old Mighty Sparrow, which is actually sitting on dry land for the first time in 11 months, which feels pretty good, actually. <clears throat> it's an uh, interesting thing when you go from floating constantly, whether you're tied up to a dock or not, uh, to then finally be on solid ground I, I actually kind of feel off balance a little bit, uh, especially down below when I'm not looking outside. Um, every once in a while, I swear the boat's jiggling. <laughs> and I'm the one that put the jack stands underneath it, so uh, I know it's not. But either way, it is it is kind of interesting to, uh, uh, to be back out. But boy, it's cold. Holy smokes. Up at about 4... 4.30 in the morning, um, so it is, it's an early one, but I want to get this out there before uh, I get back into it working on some other boats today. <clears throat> but like I said, I we left off in uh, the tick-ridden, rocky trails of Pennsylvania, going through a lot of the very polluted areas, and uh, finally spit you out at a place called the Delaware Water Gap. And I had taken a zero day. So basically, essentially, I'd taken two days off in Delaware Water Gap. And the one thing I, I definitely will never forget is this sandwich shop. I, don't, I can't remember if I went over it in the other podcast. So be it. But, man, I must have eaten about 36 inches of sub sandwiches there. They were delicious. The bread was great. Oh, man, I do miss that. Those those were really times to be able to just eat and eat and eat without with just reckless abandon because you were burning it all off. Probably one of the best parts about the Appalachian Trail and one of the reasons why I would definitely go back because nowadays if I eat a whole bunch of stuff, my whole body starts to just jiggle. <laughs> it's pretty impressive how uh, quickly my... Body wants to hold on to all that. But anyway, so <laughs> to the trail. <clears throat> Once you get up into these states in New England, uh, or just before New England, it's all these states are really, really short. I mean, you're looking at 100 miles or less for the majority of them until you get up into, I think, like New Hampshire and, and definitely Maine. Maine has about 280 miles. So it's a bit interesting how... How uh, that changes your, you go from that Virginia and Pennsylvania, these really long states take forever to get through. And then suddenly you're having to kind of plan out your, you're planning out, instead of just planning out your hop from one town to the next to reprovision, you're actually planning out the entire state in three or four days because the miles are still just flying by the day in New Jersey was 31 miles 
And I was at a state at that point mentally where part of me wanted to slow to enjoy the last 900 or so miles of the trail because I, I didn't want it to end. I was having so much fun. And then at the other hand, you're still walking at a certain pace that you just, it's impossible to physically just slow way down. And I would get into a place where I planned to camp, but now it's only three or four in the afternoon. There's hours left in the day and I can't just sit around. And I tried, I, you know, I'd pull out, pull out my sleeping pad and sort of for a nice little, either to try and take a nap or just sit and read for a while. And eventually enough time would go by and I've got, I just got to keep going. I, I, I want to, I loved getting out, not super early, taking my time in the morning and always taking breaks and lunches and things like that and taking in any of the views. But I also really enjoyed that, not sunset hiking, I suppose, but until, I don't know, until I feel like real the day. That's what I liked. And so I was in this sort of quandary of being like, well, if I keep going, I'm just going to blaze through because New Jersey, I ended up only being in New Jersey for three days. Oh, man, I'll tell you, if my if I sound all nasally, I uh, have to apologize. It's just there's so much pollen up here. And I had just left down south, South Carolina a couple weeks ago, and, and the the allergies were getting bad down there. Oh, man. And then when you're out at sea, there's none of it, and it's all just fancy-free. It's just such a sterile environment out there. But So I may have to do a couple pauses now and again to just blow the old nose, but uh, hopefully the pine trees up here will stop raining their yellow gold all over us and i will cease to have to blow my nose 80 million times a day because it's raw and it hurts but anyway with new jersey the kind of the the cool points about it once you get in these places one is there's a lot of road crossings because you're getting into more of a densely populated section of the trail and so there's a lot of opportunities to get food delis gas stations things like that and that allows you to lighten up your pack quite a bit and not have to carry so much food which in turn makes it so it's easier to hike more miles and it's i don't know it's one of these things where you get to a point where you want to enjoy it and i know i'm harping on this but it it plays on your head because you got to remember 10 hours a day you're just in your head it's not like you're looking around checking out the view you're looking at the foot or two feet in front of your feet on the trail looking down so you don't trip over anything because the roots and the rocks are always there and if you don't you will stumble and fall so you're just in your head and uh but it's it's new jersey's known for bears I think there's more bears, or at least back then, there were more bears per square mile than anywhere else in at least the U.S., for sure. Um, so, And whenever you're you're looking in the guidebook and stuff, all you see are all these warnings, uh, high bear activity. And in the any of the shelters that you stop, you, you read through, and it talks about bears, and these bears came up, and, and all this sort of stuff. And so I, it's, it's a little unnerving, but again... I was looking at basically three days or three nights of, of hiking in New Jersey. And uh, 
So you take off from Delaware Water Gap, and the first thing you're greeted with, which is so nice, is Sunfish Pond. Unfortunately, you're not allowed to swim in Sunfish Pond. And maybe that's changed now, but uh, back then I couldn't. And so you're looking at this first, which is, um, I believe, the first or southernmost glacial pond. Um, so it's a, a divot left from all the, the glaciers. So it's just absolutely beautiful. It's not gigantic, but it's it's pretty big. And it was a pretty hot day. And uh, I definitely remember wanting to hop right in. Got my feet wet, that's for sure. It was kind of interesting because on, on one side of it, you sort of you come up to it and then you, you, you go around it and uh, all these rocks, you know, just like the rocks that were on the, the trail in Pennsylvania, people had stacked them all up. Um, it's really, really neat. And some of them had, you know, five, ten rocks all stacked together in this crazy way. You can't even imagine how it's balancing. But uh, there was definitely a part of me that <laughs> wanted to push them all over. But I did not. I held back, which uh, I was very proud of myself. But it is kind of weird. You turn this corner and all of a sudden you see all these weird rocks, long, crazy ones standing on top of each other. But, um, yeah, and then you, you sort of cruise through and, you know, 30, 30 miles that first day. Did a couple little pull-offs to go get some food. I just remember diving into Ben & Jerry's while I was in New Jersey. And then... The next, it was kind of funny. I, it actually got me into trouble though. Uh, one night, I I was hiking just until until it just about got dark, but there was a road, and it had talked about. I it was either a deli or maybe it was just a gas station, down the road like a mile or so. And I figured, you know, uh, it'd be a really nice night to have a couple of beers. So I go down and uh, walk the road, get down there, can't find anything that's open, and end up uh, hiking back to the trail. And by this point, it is dark. Headlamp on, walking through the woods, and uh, I ended up just just doing you know cowboy camping really. So pulling off, and I pulled off into the first sort of clear area that I could see in my my little headlamp light. Set up my tent, get everything set, you know, do my little tent time, check out the maps, do all that, write in the journal, and then uh, go to sleep. But uh, just a couple hours after that, I wake to the snorting of deer. And I don't know if that snorting is, um, I don't know if snort is from a buck or it can just be any deer, but regardless, it was not a really happy sound. To wake up to but I woke to that and then also started hearing all the other creatures and literally there were sounds from every angle around my little tent sounds of you know small little things rustling through the the leaves and then also just huge animals you know leaping and I'm just thinking to myself what is this going on and I poked my head out and all I can see is eyes, off in the distance, all reflecting back, but all around me. And this went on and on for a couple I'm trying to scare them away, just in the middle of the woods, by myself. Um, I didn't think any of them were bears. didn't seem that way. But there were definitely a multitude of different types of creatures out there. And uh, 
evidently in the morning once I once I finally did, you know, things calm down. And again, this went on for hours where I'm I'm trying to scare him away, shining my light, and then put my head down and still just listening to things moving around, <laughs> which is it wasn't as unnerving as you would think just because I'd been out there for so long at this point, but it's still still is pretty hard to fall asleep when you know there's things walking around. Yeah, in any event, in the morning I woke up. Basically, I just set up my tent on a game trail. So that was uh, a bit of a lesson learned as far as trying to keep an eye out for that. I mean, I just can imagine, you know, it's, it's after midnight, all these creatures are on their move. It's like, all right, we're going to go over this way, go find that meadow, do our thing. And boom, there's this green tent in the way. And they're like, what is that? And they obviously they can smell me and all that sort of stuff. But that was an exceptionally interesting night for sure, <laughs> to say the least. But um, it started raining and um, on that, that last day in there. But, you know, had some big dinners. I remember, I think it was the last night in New Jersey was when I got to meet the hot garbage crew for real. Um, I, I know I had met up with them at some point earlier, but they, uh, this was a, uh, a group, I want to say it was like six, six hikers, um, all friends. I don't know if they were friends beforehand or not, but this was sort of my first encounter with, uh, camping next to them. It was kind of a neat campsite and I was down on the lower section and they were up there and just really cool to, to sort of be able to, meet people that were going for the whole thing as a group and kind of, I mean, they, they were sort of known, I guess, for being sort of partiers, I suppose. But in the end, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, stereos out and cranking music till two in the morning. We're just talking about a group of people all sharing the experience and, and yeah, creating a bit of a ruckus, but it was a great name, the hot garbage crew. Cause that's what they smelled like. And, uh, you know, a, a solo AT hiker can sort of disguise the scent a little bit, but you get a bunch of us together and boy, that is a, uh, there is a radius of funk all around that area, <clears throat> but they were really neat and, uh, got to sort of hang out with those guys for a while, which was nice. And that evidently was <laughs> pretty much it. Uh, a few of the other just high points, I guess, from from New Jersey. There's a lot of rock scrambling. Um, not huge, crazy climbs or anything like that, but a lot of times where, yeah, you're, you're using your hands, you're clawing your way up these little scrambles. You get these little views. Um, you actually go, and it's kind of it's kind of strange, but you you pass right by the highest point in New Jersey, um, which is aptly named. And it's at the, it's like high point, uh, I think it's called the high point, yeah, high point state park. Uh, but the high point isn't actually on the Appalachian trail and there's a big monument, uh, up there. Um, I think the monument's actually for, you know, world war two or something like that. But <laughs> in any event, they, 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 you have to go and take a side trail. And I took a selfie picture where you could see the, the pinnacle and all that sort of stuff, but I was probably a mile away from it. So not, not too cool, but 
again, it, you know, New Jersey as a whole, I, there were still ticks and all that sort of stuff. And the threat of bears is a little interesting, but all in all, the, the, the really cool part is that you get to lighten your load quite a bit as far as how much food you have to bring, because there's constant access and it definitely gives you a different feel for the trail. But at that point, I would say it's very, very, very welcome uh, to be able to just carry a day or two of light food and know that you're still going to be able to go and get a sandwich for lunch sort of thing. Um, and it, it also helps the that I was able to put down as many miles as I was doing. Um, like I said, it was basically three days or three nights in New Jersey and then bang, you cross the state line and it was probably one of the least impressive state line crossings, uh, on the trail because it was just spray painted on the top of a rock scramble, um, NY and, or NJ and, uh, NY just with a line through them, (laughs) but it was cool. Took a little picture there and then boom, I was right into, uh, New York, and uh, getting into sort of the final states. So we were off, basically, into New York, the next uh, the next little state. I'm not going to say it's a big state because it only has about 90 miles or so, uh, very similar to New Jersey. And that really just meant continuation of being able to get food almost, not every day, but pretty darn close, and really just not having to carry much weight so you could just put down the miles and one of the cool things you know New York has the advantage of a couple of stops where you can actually get into New York City Um, it goes by a train stop and you actually cross over the Hudson and all that sort of stuff but I all the days where you're supposed to be able to see the skyline were always rainy, so I never got to see it. And I had zero interest myself of of going into New York City. I mean, that the idea of going from the peace and tranquility of the forest to downtown New York City to me that's terrifying. I'm a small town kind of person, and I don't know. It, it didn't appeal to me at all. There were a few people that I knew that did make the trek in there, and I suppose. Thinking back on it, it may have been kind of cool just to experience such a insane transition from, like I said, woodland, you know, little creatures and trees and just the sounds of the forest to a bustling city. But I don't know. That sort of stuff kind of scares me a little bit, which is kind of funny if you think about it, because I'm sure if you talk to a lot of people that live in New York, they would probably be pretty scared of going and walking alone in the woods and sleeping in the woods at night. So I don't know, something to think about, I guess. But um, yeah, get in there and ran into the old hot garbage crew. Don't know if I've mentioned them before on this uh, on this series, but uh, it's basically a group of, of people. I think it was it started out with like four or six hikers and they were labeled that because they smelled basically like hot garbage, but they were, they were, I don't want to say party animals or anything, but anytime you had a big group, uh, together, you would always end up, it was, it was a little bit more of, um, a social sort of gathering, but, uh, ran into them one night at, uh, at a place where I, I had hiked in, they came in in the evening and, uh, we sort of hung out for a little bit and stuff. And, 
it was kind of cool. I mean, you know, um, just getting to know more people and, and all that. And they were, they were definitely a lot of fun and, and we had a lot of laughs and stuff, but, um, you sort of cruise through and, you know, after one day in New York, then you're already getting close to halfway there. Cause you do like 25, 28 miles, but, um, you come to bear mountain and that's sort of the, I don't want to say the high point. Um, it may be the highest point in, um, uh, in New York state, but, uh, on the Appalachian trail, but basically you go up this and it's all, it's all manicured. There's a big tower up top and all that sort of stuff. But then as you come down, you actually cut through the, this like New York, it's like a zoo basically. And, uh, <laughs> You get to go and see bears and all these. It's the Trailside Museum and, and Zoo. And you see bears. You see all sorts of stuff in their cages and everything. And, I, you know, I have to say, I remember when I went through there, it just, I, that was probably the only time I'd ever felt in my life that uh, it was just totally wrong to have these animals in, in cages. And I, I know that most of them, if not all of them, were rescued. Like, they were injured. They had a few bald eagles in there and stuff like that. And it it was one of those things where they probably wouldn't have survived out in the wild. But um, just seeing animals in cages after being in their woods, I, I don't know. To me, it just seemed like a prison. I was I was thinking to myself, holy cow, we got to get these things out of here. But I spent a lot of time, you know, just cruising around and uh, looking at all the exhibits and enjoying it. And, and it was it was kind of nice, you know, to be able to, I don't know, just to be able to see what's actually living in the forest that I've been walking through. Because, you know, the fact is, most times you don't see much at all out there. And it's, it's, it's a pretty quiet place. And if you do see things like bears and things like that, it's, it's a split second sort of thing. And to be able to sort of just sit on a bench and look at them and, and think about, you know, how cool they are and how beautiful they are. And so it was, it was pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, you, you cut through there and then you cross the Hudson and, uh, then you're, you're basically on your way out of New York. And again, I kept running into, uh, the hot garbage crew, uh, a whole bunch of times and stuff. And, and there were plenty of beers, um, and all that sort of stuff. Never really camped, with them in any of the shelters because they were they would basically you know not take them over by you know telling people they couldn't be in them but they'd get there and and you know and and i wasn't staying in any shelters i was still just camping all i wanted to do was camp the shelters at this point were pretty gross and uh because the the temperatures were warming up so they didn't smell very good mice were everywhere in them and uh the mosquitoes were out as well my my biggest game plan at this point was to try to camp at altitude as much as I could. Um, and in New York, it's not that easy because there aren't, isn't really a whole lot of height, but even if you can get up like a, a 500 or 600 foot hill and camp up there, you're going to have cooler temperatures than you would down low. And the mosquitoes would sort of clear out earlier if it was like a really hot day. But we ran into uh, a bunch of hikers and had sort of the first um, kind of big group barbecue thing. And it was it was half hikers who were on the trail and then some hikers who had done the trail before. And they all sort of set it up. And it's it's so funny because you get to these these sort of events and it's 
it's all about the food. It's all about just devouring calories and the amount of food. You know, everybody, I think, looks at themselves on the trail and realizes just how much they're eating. And they sort of think, wow, you know, this is just insane. Other people aren't doing this. And then you sit down with a bunch of AT hikers and just watch and you'll, you'll be like, I wasn't even anywhere near eating as much as some of these people. Um, so it was, it was always a pretty interesting thing to watch how many hot dogs and hamburgers and bags of chips and sodas and things like that that uh, – you could put down just in one sitting, just gladly. It's like you're, I've said it before, but an AT hiker is never satisfied. So that was pretty cool. And then I, you know, I ended up on that same day as the barbecue coming across a place. Oh no. Oh shoot. I'm, I'm getting a little mixed up. The barbecue was in the first day of Connecticut and we're not there yet. Um, but with uh with oh actually no it is that's that was it that's how fast new york went as as fast as we just talked about it in like 6 minutes that's basically new york going by um and that's essentially because you're hiking so fast cuz you're in such good shape and also you don't have to carry much because there's so many stops along the way and you can just grab and go grab and go and it just allows you to just boost. So I think I was actually in New York for three days. And like I said, it's about 90 miles. So we're definitely punching out the uh, the mileage, the trail. But we get into Connecticut. And Connecticut is, I don't know, Connecticut. So Pennsylvania, for sure, is my least favorite state. If I were to ever do the AT again, I would gladly skip Pennsylvania. Um, just not a fan, the rocks trail, uh, the pollution. And it just, uh, it's not, there's nothing, I don't like it. It's no big deal. No hard feelings. Connecticut is a very close second. And there's a few different reasons for that. It's, it's beautiful. The trail is well manicured. The, sh- the shelters are nice, all that sort of stuff. The problem with Connecticut is that there are so many rules and regulations, uh, and supposedly, I never saw one, but supposedly there's ridge runners all over the place enforcing all these rules. So some of the rules, there's no camping outside of designated camping shelters or campsites. There's no fires um, in most of those campsites, and... What's the other one? They they just list them right off, and that's I I think that's one of the things that um, I don't know that that sort of scares you. So the first the first few sentences in the uh, Appalachian Trail through Hikers Companion campfires are prohibited on the trail in Connecticut, and camping is permitted only in designated sites. Ridge runners patrol the state's fifty two AT miles and serve as caretakers. It's sort of like okay, yeah, right, gotcha. So we're not supposed to do anything. And this was the first first state where I really started longing for the Deep South again. Because in the Deep South, Georgia, um, North Carolina, Tennessee, all that, it's just, it's you could do whatever you want. It's, it's like, these woods are yours. Enjoy them. Leave no trace. But, you know, if you want to make your own campsite, awesome. If you want to make your own fire pit, go for it. Just be safe and don't leave a mess. And that's great. It's it's kind of it's kind of the way I feel life in general is, you know, do things at your own risk. Don't mess it up for anybody else. And uh, and don't don't make a mess of it. And 
you know, think responsibly. But then you get to some of these places where they're like, oh, well, we have to have all these rules and make sure that uh, they're enforced and there's fines. And I, you hear stories about people in Connecticut getting fined for all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and they're actually pretty steep fines, I guess. But who knows what it's like now? This was, you know, 10 years ago, eight or nine years ago. But Connecticut, like I said, it is it is very pretty, and uh, it's very, very short. They're also known for, again, being able to basically get lunch every single day with a very short hike off of the trail. Lots of those those picturesque little road bridges, you know, the, the covered bridges and everything. But you pass by Kent, uh, and I, you know, I didn't even go into Kent. It wasn't uh, anything I really needed to go to because I was just huffing down the miles. Uh, but I did end up stopping in the little town of Salisbury, and it was all that it was <laughs> led up to be. I mean, it was it's so picturesque. I mean, you think like the Andy Griffith show or, or some old school 50s sitcom where they lived in the perfect little town or the Truman Show, that movie, um, that sort of thing, where I, I think even ugh, there was one building that had the the whale for, uh, oh, I forget what company that is. They make clothes and stuff, and there's little pink whales. And I don't know. It was just one of those times where I, I felt completely 100% out of place uh, walking downtown there. And we stopped there. I don't know who. I can't remember who I was with, like two or three people. But uh, I want to say maybe I was still with Scuba at that point. Well, anyway, uh yeah, I got in there and we we went into the grocery store and got out of the grocery store. We were eating some like ice creams or something outside and just you just felt you felt like wow, this this is a really fancy sort of expensive little town and uh we should probably keep going. Not not that any of the people were were mean to us or any not friendly people or anything like that, but you could just tell, you know, there's there's a time where you can get away with stinking and being all dirty and everything, and then there's times where you just want to uh, skirt on by, <laughs> let bygones be bygones, so to speak. Um, but my my whole thing with Connecticut again was shelters. Hate them. Didn't want to stay in them, and I also wanted to hike my own mileage and not be completely dedicated to staying in their little campsites because some of them are you know 10 miles some it just didn't add up and so what it meant for me was stealth camping right on the trail and basically hiking until just about dark when I knew that you know the chances of running into other hikers is very low so I'd set up my tent I wouldn't have a fire cook a meal go to sleep um, do my thing and then get up with the sun, if not a little bit before, pack everything up and then go. And it's not bad, I don't think, because you're you're really leaving no trace doing that. But it isn't as it wasn't as desirable as I wanted it to be. I wanted to be in that situation where you can sort of take your time and you can get ideally for me, it's finding an epic spot that's overlooking something. You can build your own little fire. You can set up your tent in a cool way, all that sort of stuff. Because each day, especially as you get closer and closer to the end, you really try to make the most of it, or at least I was. And to be sort of forced into this little 
niche of of like oh okay well if you're gonna try and do it your way you're doing it illegally and there's a fine waiting for you if we catch you so again it's such short mileage in Connecticut. I knew it was only going to be a couple days. I think I was in there for two and a half days. Um, so it was super crazy fast, but, um, I did run into a place and my name, my last name is Rand R A N D. And, uh, there is a spot called Rand's view. And, uh, I don't, I couldn't find any connection obviously with us, with my family and stuff, but it's just, it was this beautiful picturesque spot. And I'm, so glad I was there when I was there because the one thing I could see off in one corner of this this huge field with sort of this really strange mound and hill, big bank of forest and everything. Everything was super green and there was like this beautiful mist that day. But I could see off in the corner there was a huge amount of construction, earth-moving equipment. And I believe that that whole area, that view that I was looking at, was just about to be developed. And I haven't uh, gone back to look or research or do anything like that because I I would hate to know for a fact that that entire beautiful untouched view got destroyed. But uh, chances are I probably already did. Moving on. <laughs> so you get past Salisbury and then uh you're pretty much out of there. And there is some there's some pretty gnarly hikes in there in Connecticut. Um some uphills where you know it's flat, you're crossing rivers, you're in all these these sort of easy hiking areas, and then all of a sudden it just hits the trees and it goes straight up. And uh so there is some beastly stuff, but it's all pretty small still. New England's really probably some of the most pleasant hiking that you're going to find on the AT. And once you go from Connecticut, then you're straight into Massachusetts. And Massachusetts for me was going to be sort of an interesting state because I was going to meet my old man up on the top of Mount Greylock and then go visit our uncle out in Gloucester, Massachusetts. So this was going to be the first and only real break that I had on the trail. And uh, so it was a little strange, but I was super stoked to go and see the old man. And that 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 happens to a lot of people in their, their through hikes. Uh, at some point or another, they'll either have people come and hike a few miles or a few days with them, or you will actually leave the trail for a little bit. I had no qualms about taking off for I think I left for five days total uh on the trail and it was it was great I mean you know I when I'm out doing my sailing trips obviously non-stop uh keeps me out away from all the the land and all that sort of stuff and there's something something that I really enjoy about that with the AT hike I mean you're already pulling over into all these towns anyway so I I didn't see any reason uh to be sort of I know there are some purists that that really would would never leave the trail, you know, get in a car and drive a couple hundred or a hundred miles to another place and then take five days and then come back. But I don't know. Hike your own hike, right? That's what I always said. Um, but yeah, Massachusetts, uh, let's see, what do they got? 496. They're another really short state, but a little bit. Are they a hundred miles? No. They're, they're another one. They're 90 miles. Oh, man. 
these little 90 miles uh, states, they just go by so fast, especially when you're just blazing through them. Um, but basically uh, got in there and it was it was pretty cool. Um, you definitely felt a little different to New York for for us. And, and that year, it was it was a little rainy in New York. It would be like rainy, and then it would just be dry and parched and hot. In Massachusetts, it seemed like we were going through a lot more sort of darker forests and then lots of swamps and ponds and things like that. The only drawback was that the mosquitoes definitely got a lot worse at that point and the temperature and all that sort of stuff. Uh, was pretty bad. The elevations, you still were getting up in, you know, Race Mountain and stuff is, I think, 2,300 feet. So there are a couple of bigger climbs, but not much. I mean, I don't I don't think anything in, even in 3,000. Oh, yeah. Okay, Mount Greylock, that's the one. Um, so as you're, I think, after the second day, uh, that was when I went up to get up on top of Mount Greylock. And the cool thing was, you know, for the old man, who's not that old, uh, but not exactly in full-on hiking shape, he was able to get a, a ride up to the top of Mount Greylock because there's there's a road up there. And I, I will tell you, there was one, one creepy little incident. As you're going up Greylock, and I'm sure it's still there, uh, at some point there's this old rickety shack i wouldn't even call it a cabin it's definitely not a shelter and i believe on the on one side or on the door it did say rape shack um the windows were all busted out there was garbage and stuff inside but it it looked like a place uh it looked like you know some sort of meth den or something i don't know but it's on the side of mount graylock and uh, i guess it would come in handy in a storm but um little strange to see that, especially I get up to go see the old man. But I met my dad up there, and there's this huge lighthouse up there, which is a memorial to, I think, World War One or World War II uh, Massachusetts soldiers. Um, and it's kind of odd to see it. And there's this old thing called Bascom's Lodge, which is really neat. It's got those old, like, wooden shackles. It kind of looks like the uh, a miniature of the, the lodge and The Shining. But it's a neat little area up there, and so the old man and I went and um, hiked down from from the top, which is still a a little bit of hefty one, and and that's hiking down to um, oh, is it South Adams or is it uh, do 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 North Adams? That's it, not South Adams. So we went down to North Adams, and uh, he had his car, and then we busted off to Gloucester, and we were gone for like five days enjoying the uh, seaside retreat and for me you know it was it was a nice little rest and it was cool to just be able to I don't know take it take a little bit of a pause get away from the bugs there were there were a few things that were getting a little annoying you know the rain the heat the bugs um, I I don't know I part of me likes to think that I didn't need that break, but maybe I did. Maybe it was just something uh, something that had to happen. But it was it was really cool to be able to just get out there with my dad and my uncle and be able to really relate. Uh, I got somebody knocking on the hall, and we're back. Uh, yeah, just to be able to relate what my life had been like for the last 80-some days uh, out in the woods and everything. Because you, you sort of get so used to being out there. 
And then you get around people who obviously are not out there with you and they think it's the craziest thing and they want to hear all about it. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I've had that with other aspects of some of the trips that I go on, but, uh, the AT and I guess sailing as well, when you emerge from your element, uh, you look very different because you're, you're weathered, you're, you know, sunburn or tan or whatever, but you've got a beard and all that sort of stuff. So in a lot of ways you look the part and you get to tell the stories and all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of cool. And, uh, those five days were, were definitely fantastic. And I remember when I got dropped back off right at, in North Adams, I, the old man pulled away and then I'm sitting there at the trailhead. It started to rain and I just thought to myself, uh, I'm not ready <laughs> to go back on the trail. And I ended up uh, uh, going through the guidebook and, and finding a, a motel that was close by and just uh, crashing out and doing one more night off the trail just to, I don't know, I think I was just trying to acclimatize myself back to trail life where you're either in the woods or you're in a crummy motel somewhere and you're eating a pizza and drinking beers and watching movies and then you go in because there you know that wasn't sort of the thing we were doing out in Gloucester it was it was far more civilized than that I would say um so yeah I mean basically got got back in Got back on the trail, and then it was only it was only like one more day, I think two nights uh, before crossed over from uh, from Massachusetts into the final three states, which uh, is Vermont, New Hampshire, and uh, and lastly Maine. And those we're definitely going to have to delve into those in a different podcast because. That's going to take a little time. Everything sort of changes once you get past Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, just as a preview, you've got Vermont, which is the everything gets the hills get big, the mountains get big, there's mud bogs. You get into New Hampshire. So you got the White Mountains, you get the crowds, you get the real weather threats. And then Maine is just a beast on so many different levels. It's pretty crazy. But uh, I don't know how I'll play those out. Um, you know, I know these are, these podcasts are taking a little longer just because I was definitely busy getting everything ready, um, to sail up here to Maine. And then once I got to Maine, I just started working and this, this stuff in the boatyard, man, I'll tell you, I spent most of the winter writing and that is not a lot of (laughs) heavy lifting. And now I'm lifting stands, blocks of wood for eight hours every day. And by the time I finish, I am exhausted. And because we're, you know, we're out in the sun and stuff. But I will try my best to get one of these, get get these out, and wrap up the Appalachian Trail, but not in a hurried way. I want to do it. Um, I want to do it right. I want to make sure I'm telling the story and. Uh, getting all the information out to everybody. So, uh, I know this is a little shorter than usual, but, um, yeah, so that's the, and, and honestly it fits with these States because New Jersey, New York and Massachusetts and Connecticut just, I mean, they just whip by and they're, they're very similar, but they're, they're nice that it's, it's a crazy thing about the AT and I was always sort of seeing it in these sections of the deep South 
the South, and then you get into New England, and then you get into the Northern section, and they all have pros and cons. Um, but they're all a little different. I would say probably the the neatest part about those four states are that you can eat at a place almost every day. You can get out of the woods and stay in a motel every few days. You're crossing state lines every few days. And I don't know. It's just, it's kind of nice. It's a more, I don't know, you feel less disconnected from the modern world because you're only ever in the woods for a few days at a time. And you definitely feel the progress going by. So in a lot of ways, it's, it's pretty it's pretty nice, and especially, I mean, you know, for me, I was enjoying myself so much that I just wanted to keep pumping the brakes, but was having trouble doing that because I was also enjoying putting down huge miles um, by my standard. Um, I know if, if I were in a situation where, you know, oh, I wasn't having fun, the rain, the bugs, all sort of stuff was getting to you, then, you know, maybe maybe these states would be a nice reprieve from the physical aspects of the trail because it's a lot easier, there's a lot more comfort. But I don't know. I, I, I just took it as as it was. It, it was great. It was a nice little change up. It was it was throwing you something. And in some ways for me it was a nice little recharge, especially with the trip to Gloucester. That helped me sort of recharge, rest up a little bit because yeah, once you once you get back into uh, the northern section into Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, I mean, you just you're gonna feel it. No matter how in shape and ready you are, you're gonna feel the pain uh, once you get up there. But it's a good pain. It's the all oh, it's the hiker's pain that you want because you know you're just turning into a beast. <laughs> so anyway, well, that is it for. Uh, for that section of the old AT, and uh, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll wrap them up and get the last ones in. And actually, I think, because I'll be heading back to Michigan in a few weeks, and I would really like to do the last one from the woods in Michigan. And who knows, if, if work keeps being so, uh, so difficult, uh, or not difficult, but if, if, if I'm too dang tired to do this podcast, at least this form, because, you know, I have to go through my journals, write notes, go through the stuff. There's there's actually, like, research that I have to do. It's not me sitting down with, the, you know, Murphy or uh, another one of these guys up here and just having a laugh. Um, this one, I, I have to, you know, do a little timeline. And because it was so long ago, it does take a bit. So who knows? I may end up doing all the rest of them um, in mid-July just because I'll be in a tent living uh, for a month and a half or something uh, at, at my parents' place. So that might work out a little better, you know, the sounds of the leaves rustling in the wind. Little creatures creaching out there, rustling. <laughs> anyway, all right, next one coming up soon. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it, just go to podbean.com and you can become a patron and keep the show on the air. Also, if you like the music at the beginning, the album is called Deep Teal and the artist is Adrian Edson. It's available on Amazon Music. 
And if you want the full story of the trip around the world, the book, the Kindle book, and the audiobook can all be found on Amazon.com, Sailing into Oblivion, the solo nonstop voyage of the mighty sparrow. Fair winds and following seas.